today. Aren't you thankful that he knows your name? Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Turn around and tell someone how happy you are to see him in the house of God today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It's all right to have fun in the house of the Lord. Amen. The keynote speaker was in such a hurry to get to the venue that when he arrived, he sat down at the table. He suddenly realized that he had forgot his dentures. Turning to the man next to him, he whispered, I forgot my teeth. The man said, no problem. Reached into his briefcase and pulled out a pair of dentures. He said, try these. So the speaker tried them on. He said, too loose. Man dug around in his briefcase again. He said, try these, he said. Too tight. Dug around again. Found him another pair. The speaker said, these fit. So he ate his meal, got up and gave his speech. No troubles. So after he was done, he found the man again and he returned the teeth to him and he said, sir, I want to thank you. And he said, I, I've actually been looking for a new dentist. Where's your office? He said, I'm not a dentist. I'm a funeral director. Funny thing is, that's probably happened somewhere in the course of time. How many is happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Give God a hand clap of praise. You know, living for God is not as hard as we make it out to be. Coming to church is the easiest part of living for God. If all there was to living for the Lord was going to church, there'd be a whole lot of people in heaven. But going to church is, 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 is major, but on the grand scheme, things it's small it's minor living for God is about what happens every day every day and you can either choose touch your neighbor and say you make the choice you can choose to be spiritual and choose to be carnal but everything now, you can't choose what happens to you. But you can choose how you respond to what happens to you. You cannot say, well, they made me do it. Nobody makes us do anything. Nobody. We have to choose. Whether we choose deliberately or we choose just off the cuff, you still make a choice on how you're going to respond to a situation or what you're going to do. Living for God is all about choices. That's it. What choices are we going to make? You can make consistent, correct choices and you can live for God. But it's all about choices. What got us in this predicament? A wrong choice. When Adam and the woman, man and woman, they were both Adam. Y'all remember that? Y'all had went home and studied that because y'all thought I was pulling one over on y'all. They made the wrong choice. And we're in the predicament we're in because of a wrong choice. And so living for God, we're going, to, we're going to talk this morning, Jeremiah 17 and 9, this is going to be a little preaching, a little teaching, and this, is, this will be more than one service, but I, I just feel the Lord stirring me today to just get down to brass tacks with us. Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. 
and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In other words, there's not a person on this earth that's ever been or will ever be that can truly understand how wicked the heart is. Only God. Only God. And then he says, I, the Lord, this is God speaking through the prophet, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Now, when it's time to go before the Lord, there's two books going to be judged by. Word of God, Lamb's Book of Life, right? Okay. If you've already made it in the rapture, you're not going to get to the throne of judgment and then be cast into hell. You made it. Okay. Okay. Because the Bible says that if we judge ourselves, then we shall not be judged. In other words, God gave the book. Here's the book. You judge yourself down here and make the corrections that you need to make down here. And you'll make it to the other side. The, the throne of judgment the word is going to be used to measure those that didn't make it. But the ones that made it in the rapture already judged themselves against this word. Y'all with me? Okay. So what is the throne of judgment going to be? Because John said, I saw a new heaven. And I saw a new earth. The old earth passed away. This earth right here, there's going to be a day it's going to be no more. Gone. How that happens, I don't know. But it's not going. It's not going to be here. But that throne of judgment is this verse right here. God said, "I'm going to give to every man, whether they make it or they don't make it, according to the fruit of his doings." Okay. There's different punishments in hell. Right? It's not just going to be everybody go to hell. There's different levels of punishment and those levels of punishment is going to be according to the fruit of his doings. Look at it like this. In our legal system, there's different levels of punishment based upon the crime committed, right? Okay, that's a small reflection of what eternity is going to be like. Hell is going to be based upon, uh, according to the fruit of his doing. It's going to be bad. I don't. The introductory level of hell is going to be bad enough. Okay, I don't want to go. I don't even want to be in the lobby. It's going to be bad. But according the fruit of his doings. But it also applies to eternity in heaven. God is going to reward according to the fruit of his doings. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. But you can't tell me that the person who gave up every luxury in life on a mission field and won thousands to God it's going to just get the same as the person who sat on a pew and did nothing but just barely made it in. Ain't going to happen. According to the fruit of his doings. That's why it says, don't lay up treasures down here where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break in and steal. But you live for the other side of life. Amen? So we're going to talk this morning about matters of the heart, matters of the heart. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I'm sure everyone in here can join with me and say that somewhere in your life you know someone, if not yourself, that has experienced some type of heart attack in their life. 
And I began to look at statistics. In the United States, according to the, to the statistics that I've read, someone has a heart attack every 40 seconds. Someone's having a heart attack in the U.S. Every year, about 805,000 people in the United States alone have a heart attack. And of these, it is estimated that 605,000 are their first heart attack. And most people would say that the heart attack came out of nowhere. Just all of a sudden. But very rarely does a heart attack just happen all of a sudden. But it's a slow clogging usually of arteries with cholesterol and other deposits and it reduces blood flow to the heart. So cardiologists use procedures to go in and analyze and examine arteries. And that blockage can manifest itself through back pain and inability to sleep or anxiety, loss of appetite, indigestion, nausea, vision change, and even a loss of memory. So what happens is that the symptoms are treated as isolated issues unrelated to the health of the heart and medications are given to take the edge off of the symptoms. But the problem is that when you just treat symptoms, you mask the real problem. And it actually delays the treatment of the problem, thus causing things to get worse and worse and worse when you just treat the symptoms. The heart attack was not all of a sudden. It was the byproduct of something that just happened a little bit at a time that the person did not even notice was happening. Keep in mind that the physical heart parallels also with the spiritual heart because you have another heart which is the real you. The part of you that philosophers and poets and preachers refer to when they talk. The part of you that swells up with pride when you see your kids or your grandkids achieve something great. The thing that gets nostalgic when you hear an old song from days gone by. That mysterious, wonderful, confusing part of you that enables a person to love and laugh and fear and experience life all at the same time. And we are so tempted to treat the symptoms that stem from an unhealthy spiritual heart, but we'll ignore the deeper issues of the heart. Let me tell you, what's going to determine you going to heaven is your heart. I'm not talking about that pumping part of your body, but in the Bible, the word heart and mind are used interchangeably. It's, it's the core of you. It's who you really are your heart. And we think that if we can fool people, that we can fool the Lord. You can fool people all day long. But you can't, you can't fool God. I know Brother Aaron's sick, but he said something one time that I thought was funny. If he's watching, I know he is. This is him, not me. He said, if, when a person dates, they need to date at least a year because you can't hide crazy more than a year. That's what Brother Aaron said. I'm quoting him on that. Nobody's wanting to look around in here. But as is the case with a physical heart, eventually the root problem will become the real problem. And just as a heart attack has the potential to destroy your body, spiritual heart disease has the potential to destroy you and your most valued relationships. It's about the heart. Life can be hard on the heart. 
I remember people would tell me in high school, there's going to be a day that you wish you can go back to high school. And I thought, ain't going to happen. I'm ready to get out of here. It didn't take long in life. I'll go back. I'll do all the work you want me to do. I don't care. I, just give me one day to go back to high school. If that was all the problems we had to worry about in life, we'd have it easy. I was more worried about what I was eating for lunch than anything else. Because the longer you walk through life, the harder on the heart it gets. Dealing with people, frustrations, finances, family, jobs, and it's like every day you're looking for which direction is my heart going to get hit today. And that if you could see your heart in the spirit, I'm sure at times it just feels beaten to death, mutilated, like, God, how much more can this old heart take? How much more pain and frustration can this heart take? Anybody with me this morning? I'm talking about walking through life. Over time, we develop habits that slowly erode our heart sensitivity. You got to remember your heart goes hand in hand with your conscience. And your conscience by nature when you're born again, is extremely sensitive to the moving of the Spirit, right or wrong. It's like a person who steals something for the first time. Their conscience is screaming at them. Don't do it. Don't do it. But they do it. They don't get caught. The next time, their conscience is just a little weaker. And by that 10th or 15th time, they can't even hear their conscience telling them anything because they've, they've dulled their sensitivity just slowly. Just slowly you develop habits. And the inevitable pain and disappointment of life cause you to set up walls around your heart. Here's what happens. When a person gets hurt, they'll build walls. Because we have a natural preservation system within us that we want to protect ourselves from getting hurt again. What's the old saying? Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. In other words, I shouldn't have went back to that bakery that doesn't sell bagels and order bagels because you're going to leave disappointed every time. Amen? you got to realize that that person is never going to be what I want them to be. They're going to be who they are. I remember there was somebody in my life years ago, I, every time, every time I would leave disappointed from that person because I was wanting them to be something that they were not capable of being. And I would go with high hopes and I'd leave so frustrated and disappointed and finally, I realized that you don't go to a bakery that doesn't sell bagels and keep ordering bagels. They're never going to make them. They're never. That's like going to McDonald's and ordering a chalupa. They're not going to serve you a chalupa because they don't make them there. You're wanting that person to be something that they're not going to be. And so there's people that live their whole life in frustration. They lived their whole life with hurt and anger. Now, I feel the Holy Ghost right now, okay? Not about bagels, but about hurt. I don't even like bagels. There's people that you've lived your whole life wanting somebody to be something to you that they're never going to be. They're never going to be. And they may not be able to change, but you can you can. Something's got to click right here. Something's got to happen. A switch has to be flipped, and you realize, you know what? 
I've given them power over me my whole life. I have given them power to control my emotions my whole life. Why would you give somebody power over you? They didn't take it. You gave it. By allowing them to dictate how you respond. At the end of the day, your heart will get out of the sync with the rhythm it was created to maintain. God's heartbeat's supposed to be your heartbeat. I'm supposed to love what God loves. I'm supposed to hate what God hates. I, 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 I'm supposed to walk in harmony with his heartbeat and my heartbeat, one and one. And if you don't deal with it, these heart attackers will linger for a lifetime and do incredible damage. You hear me when I say there will be people that have gone to church more than anybody else and not make it to heaven. Paid their tithes, offerings, went to prayer meeting, went to church, did everything they were supposed to do. But the one thing that they didn't was make sure their heart was what it was supposed to be. They didn't get their heart right. The reason we rarely stop to monitor our hearts is that it was never encouraged. Here's what I mean. As children, we were taught to monitor our behavior. If we behave properly, good things happen. Regardless of what was happening in our hearts, we were taught, be on your best behavior. Right? Anybody ever have your talk, uh, the talk with your kids if you're going to somebody's house? You better not embarrass me. You better not say this or do this or say that. I like, I just like to pick around and I, I had to stop doing it because I don't want to name any of them. But some of the kiddos would come over to the house and I would say, your mom and daddy still fighting. I'm just making a joke. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, they are. Okay, just joking. We don't need to go there. I, hey, if I, if I want truth, I know which kids go around here and ask because they will spill the beans in a heartbeat. We were taught, fix the outside, your behavior. Make sure what people see is right. But we are never taught to monitor the heart. And so what happens is throughout life, we focused on what people see. Just make sure what people see is what it's supposed to be instead of going deeper than the outside. We've modified our behavior to avoid pain and we've been doing it ever since. Consequently, we have become much better at monitoring our behavior instead of our heart. I'm just telling you, we're going to dig deep this morning, okay? God does not want a carnal church. He wants a spiritual church. And the problem is that God can have a carnal church that looks spiritual, but it's not. Oh, they're doing the right things on the outside. Everything that everybody sees is what it's supposed to be. But the problem is what people don't see. We've got to be spiritual people, not carnal people pretending to be spiritual people. You know what a masquerade is? It's, it's people that cover up their true identity. And we have become masters of the masquerade. What, if, what, did, Adam, what did Adam do in the garden? He covered up his true identity with fig leaves. That's a mask. He didn't 
want anyone to see what he was embarrassed of. Amen? And we do the same thing. We don't want people to see what we're embarrassed of. We all have flaws. You can't fool anybody in here. Everybody knows we've got problems, but somehow we still just keep trying. Put on the facade. Hey, how you doing? Oh, everything's good. Everything's good. Knowing that your world is caving in. Right? Now, I'm not saying you've got to unload everybody's dirty laundry. But there comes a point you've got to be real and say, hey, I need some prayer. Keep me on the prayer list. Because we all need it. Pretending all the time can be problematic because it allows you to ignore the true condition of your heart. But eventually, the real you, somebody say the real me, will outpace your attempts to monitor and filter everything you say and do. You want to know the real person that you're talking to? Hang around them a little bit. Outside of the church walls. Because sooner or later, they're going to slip. Their filter is going to disengage. And their heart's going to be exposed. What does the Bible say? Out of the abundance. It doesn't say out of the heart the mouth speaketh. It says out of the abundance. Let's look, let's consider this bottle of water right here as the heart. I could fill it with water just like this. But nothing's coming out. It's contained. It's got enough room in it to contain. Let's just say that in this, in this bottle, this heart, this is bitterness. Well, that heart right now is containing the bitterness because there's not a whole lot in there. But the more bitterness piles up, it gets an abundance and there's only one way for it to come. It's got to come out. You know, anybody have one of them? I'm sure everybody. You get in that bathtub and you fill it with water. And you get in there and all that water goes up. Right? Where does it go? The overflow. Right? That thing at the top. It's to keep it from overflowing. So it has that overflow valve. Your mouth is the overflow valve. It's got to go somewhere. It's coming out right here. And you may could visit with people at church for five minutes and they keep it in check. But you hang around them, it's coming out. It's a hard issue. What, what some people, well, I don't get along with so-and-so. It's not personality issues. It's a heart issue. I've been around a lot of people that I just did not G-Haul with. And you can coexist for a little while with personalities. But you get some people that's got heart issues, they can't coexist for 30 seconds together because you could feel the tension. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. I've been around them, church people. Church people will test you more than anybody. I expect worldly people to be worldly. Hello? They're worldly. That's that bakery. But I don't expect church people to be worldly. And when church people start acting like worldly people, that's where problems happen. Oh, this is so good. 
what's they call this meat and potatoes this morning? I'm not going to tear up more than what one altar call could fix, okay? I learned that as an evangelist. I'd harp on it for a while, and I'd leave, and that pastor had to put it all back together. We ain't going to do that because I'll still got to be here Sunday and Wednesday. But there's not there, there's a whole lot more heart problems in church than there is personality problems. And when we pretend, you know what pretending is? It's acting. It's acting. Then everything will seep into your actions, your character, and your relationships. If your heart goes unmonitored, things will worsen to the point that you will no longer be able to contain it even with your carefully managed words and behavior. What's the old saying? If you don't have anything good to say. One man said it like this, I've never regretted something I didn't say. Right? It's way easier to fix it right here than to fix it out here. Hey, you're, you're looking at somebody right now. I've had to learn the hard way because my filter growing up was non-existent. And if I thought it, I mean, while I'm thinking it and saying it, I'm going, probably shouldn't be saying this. Probably shouldn't be saying this. But I couldn't stop it. It just come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you talkers out there, you know what I'm talking about? I would look at people that never said a word and I'd go, why can't I just do that? I mean, they, they may be dumb as a box of rock, but they look like the smartest person in the room because they don't say nothing. Maybe, maybe, just as I preach in your mind's been thinking about things in your own heart. Maybe you've always been able to control your anger, but here lately there's been an edge in your voice that scares you. Anybody ever had anything happen and you're like, man, where'd that come from? Everybody raise your hand. Thank you. Put three of us on the hot seat this morning. I'm here, I'm being honest. Y'all going to look at me like y'all need to be up there with Paul the Apostle or something. People behave like everything's okay, but knowing that it's not, your heart is under an assault. It'll, it'll sound like this. Here's what an internal battle sounds like. You'll say things like, I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I just did that. Where did that come from? Or I just lost it. Anybody ever just lose it? My parents lost it on my backside a few times. Like You ain't got the Holy Ghost if you whip like that. That's, that's plum anger. My mama used to say, I can't whip unless I'm mad. So I tried to get her to laugh so she couldn't whip me. People think that's just an exception. I don't normally act like that. But what happens is when it happens more and more and more, it's an indicator that something's not right in the heart. That embarrassing mistake was not an exception to what was in the heart. It was a reflection of what was in the heart. Have you, have you ever heard this? Well, he's got a good heart. You ever heard somebody say that? Or, follow your heart. Both of those are lies. Nobody has a good heart. And you should never follow your heart. Because the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. If you follow your heart, the problem is your heart will convince you that you're right. And you're going the right way. And you will be deceived into believing that you're right. 
That's why some people still haven't forgiven other people. It's because they are convinced I'm right. Well, you might be right in theory, but you can die wrong. There's people that you've been waiting for years for people to come and ask you for forgiveness. You'll die lost. You'll die lost. Because some of those people you're waiting on have, have went on to the grave. How are they going to come ask for forgiveness? If you're waiting on them, it's not going to happen. You don't have to be asked for forgiveness to forgive. You grant forgiveness. Nobody at that cross asked Jesus for forgiveness. Nobody. But Jesus, knowing, watch this, gave me this. Somebody write this down. Knowing he was fixing to die, the man, he was fully God and he was fully man. The man knew if I don't forgive him, I got just a few seconds left or I'll die lost. I'll fix a mess with your theology. There was the first Adam who had a human will. Bible says there was the last Adam. Who was that? Jesus. First Adam had a human will. Last Adam had a human will. First Adam was able to be lost and sin. Last Adam. And so Jesus the man knew I got a few seconds. If I don't get this out of my heart, I will not be the redemptive lamb for humanity. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he yielded up the ghost, but he did it with a right heart. I know of a situation well, I'll name it. I don't care. Brother Story. The Story talked to him here just a few weeks ago. And he told me the story. He was at a church. <clears throat> him and the pastor were sitting in the vehicle. Church parking lot. People were leaving. He said, you see that man over there? Pastor said, yes, sir. He said, in seven days, they're going to back him up in a hearse to this church. The flowers are going to look like this over the hearse or over the casket. The casket's going to be this color. And in seven days, you'll be burying him. That pastor said, ain't nothing wrong with that man. He said, in seven days, you'll be burying him. It wasn't just a day or two later that man went in the hospital out of nowhere. Pastor went to see him and he said, Pastor, am I going to die? He said, Brother, you're going to die. The Lord showed me you're going to die. That man began to weep. And he had been holding, harboring alt in his heart towards that pastor. And he spilled everything out of his heart and got everything out. And asked that pastor to forgive him. And they wept and they prayed. They made every, that man made everything right. And seven days to the day, they backed him up in a hearse. Same color casket. Same color flowers that was prophesied. Everything was identical. But God gave seven days of mercy for the man to get his heart right. That's mercy. Gave him opportunity. He didn't have a church problem or a given problem. He had a heart problem. And God said, I'm going to send a man and he's going to get that right. Heart. You've got to have your heart right. What happens is we try to to keep everything in line with people on the outside, ones we're not super close to, church people, and people on the job, 
but it's the people closest to you that catch all the flack. Because you come in and you let your guard down and it comes off as, as anger and frustration. That's why we actually hurt the people that we love the most because we're mad and we don't know why. We're discontent but can't find any real reason to feel that way and we're resentful towards certain types of people even though they haven't done anything to deserve it and it's not a people per, uh, issue. It's not a circumstance issue. It's a heart issue. It's the heart. If you don't get the heart right, it doesn't matter where you go on the earth, you'll be miserable. It doesn't matter who you go eat with, you'll be miserable. Everything will be miserable. You ever known somebody that went from job to job to job to job to job and it was always the job? It was always a job. 33 jobs later. It's like somebody had been divorced eight times. It was always the other person's fault. Somewhere along the way, you've got to do a little self-analyzation and say, maybe it ain't the job. You know why we don't want to do a little self-analyzation? Because they say truth hurts. Your heart has a way of overflowing. It affects all of your relationships. It dictates. Here's what happens. Let's just say I got a problem with Brother Glenn. When I don't, I don't have a problem. I'm just using him because I, as an example here. Then what happens is, I don't want you to have a relationship with Brother Glenn. Because I got a problem with Brother Glenn. Or Brother Jason Black. I got something wrong, but then the more people you got something wrong with, you get mad at other people who want to have a relationship with them, and there's nothing between them. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. Then you start alienating yourself from people because I don't want to be friends with them if they're friends with them. Why is that happening in the church? How are you going to go to heaven and say, I want to go on that side where I don't have problems with any people? You go on that side. Because you're not going to go up there with a heart. When you got, and I, listen, we've all been hurt. We've all got the card and the scars and the t-shirt to prove it. We don't need to be jockeying to see who's been more hurt than others. Everybody's been hurt. We ought not be playing this game of chess with people. Trying to manipulate and control who people can be friends with. Oh, give him praise. People will say, I'll never let anybody hurt me like that again. Walls. The problem with walls is that your intention is to keep people out. But you also keep God out. Because you got to let down those walls. you got to let down those walls of, to protect you from all of that hurt, pain. The Bible said those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. You, know, you go to a doctor... You could be going because you got problem with your toe, gout. Hello. You know what they're going to do? Put the stethoscope in. They want to listen to what's on the inside. You know what the mouth is? It's the stethoscope. It reveals what's happening on the inside. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. 
Heart issues make relationships difficult to maintain because it revolves around knowing and being known. I'm going to just, we're just going to go out there. It's already so tight. Why not make it a little bit tighter? Let's just say, let's just say you got person A and person B who were friends, close friends, intimate in that they revealed secrets to each other. But person A gets mad at person B five years later. If they're not careful, those secrets will start coming out. Because they're mad. Break the trust. Listen, there's things I'll go to my grave with. And so will you. Because you know stuff about people. Let me tell you how to check your heart. If that ever happens and you feel like starting to spread secrets, you need to pray because that's a heart issue. That's vengeance. Retaliation. They hurt me. I'm going to hurt them. Bible says he that is of a faithful spirit will concealeth the matter. If you find yourself any any inkling at all, kind of feeling good when somebody else is hurting, you got a heart issue. You got a heart issue. I want to ask you how are things with your heart this morning? Only you and God can analyze your heart. We can analyze your behavior. But only you and God can analyze your heart. What did the psalmist say? Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew, make new again a right spirit. Your spirit is directly tied to your heart. Your spirit determines your attitude, which then determines your behavior. And when your heart's not right, your spirit's not going to be right. Your approach is not going to be right. But when you go to prayer and God fixes the heart, it's going to fix the spirit. And then the Spirit's going to fix the behavior. It's all tied to each other. Created me a clean heart. And when I get the heart clean, it's going to renew my spirit. That's why when you go to prayer, all the problems could be the same. But you leave a prayer meeting and your spirit's different because your heart's different. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We need more than a sophisticated filter for our behavior. We need a new heart. Christianity, as you stand with me this morning, is not about behaving the right way. We've got to get beyond that. It's not about, well, I'm a Christian, so I need to act like this. I need to act like that. Bible says, for the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Worship. That scripture is not talking about 
running the aisles, jumping, dancing, all the above. Musicians, you could come. That's not what the scripture's talking about. Worship is about my daily lifestyle. What I'm doing to bring honor to him. And he says they're going to do it in spirit and in truth. Truth means sincerity. Sincerity. You want to know where the word sincere came from? I'm going to tell you. Years ago in England, they would make furniture. And those that were not quality furniture makers would buy cheap material and fill it with wax. All the flaws they'd fill with wax. Sand it all. Stain it or paint it. And sell it cheap. People would buy, was buying it up because it was affordable. They didn't have to pay a high price for it. But then winter time would come and they'd have those fires hot in the house. And all that furniture that was around those fires, the wax would begin to melt out of all that furniture. And all of the flaws were exposed. So furniture makers that were good quality furniture makers started advertising their furniture as sincere furniture. Because sin means without, sear is wax. So they were advertising their furniture as being without wax. It's sincere. It's not covering up all the mistakes and the flaws and trying to act like it's something that it's not. It's genuine. And God wants people today that are sincere. They come to God and say, God, here I am. All of my flaws, all of my problems, you see my heart. Here it is, God. I need help. Anybody need help this morning? Anybody need help? That should be everybody here. We all need help today. The question is not, do we need help? But where will we go? for help are you going to go to the world are you going to go to your friends are you going to try to go to things that are temporary fixes and leave you in the same situation that you've been in before are you going to go to the one that can take that old damaged heart dip it in that precious blood Make it white as snow. God can fix our hearts this morning. We got to let him. We got to let him. I invite you this morning. Let's examine our hearts. Why don't we make a response to the altar? Whether you stand or you kneel, it don't matter. But I'm giving an altar call today for whosoever will. Why don't you come? Why don't you let the Lord deal with you today? Why don't you say, Lord, I'm here. And I need you more than I've ever needed you before. Oh, my friend, reach out to him as they begin to sing. Reach out to him as they begin to sing. God's here today. God wants to fix you. God wants to turn your life around. God wants to fix that heart that's been my so damaged like by the things of this world. One day I let my Savior in. Oh, come on. Oh, so I invite you, my friend. God's here to help you today. Oh, 